Amen. Wow. If you would, I want to ask you to take your Bibles tonight and turn to, to, to the 22nd chapter, Luke 22. And we're going to be looking at, at verses 40, uh, 39 through 45. And um, th- this is something that, that it happened on the, the very night that Jesus Christ was betrayed and, and on, the, uh, on, on the night before Jesus Christ was crucified. I think it's just very, very interesting that, that the Word of God exposes us and allows us to see this part of Jesus' life because it's one of the most, um, the, the time in, in all the life of Jesus we see his humanity in all of its fullness. And I think that's why it's so very, very important to know that we have a great high priest that, folks, he was tested. He was tempted in every way just like us. There's never been an issue. There's never been a problem that we've went through that Jesus Christ didn't taste that same type of bitterness. And so, therefore, when we go to him, we know that there's one that understands. And, um, and, and he's given us such a, a, a powerful example. But I want us to take this, look at, look at this, but also begin to apply it into our lives as, as, we, as we come into this Easter season. Because before there was a resurrection, there first had to be a death. And for, for the death of Jesus Christ was just a, a, a terrible, terrible, torturous death. And, um, and, and, and I want to begin to, us to understand that within, again, our, our own lives and, um, and, 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 you know, and how so much of the life of Jesus Christ can, again, be applied, um, can be applied to, to you and me. We're going to be reading tonight um, Luke, the 22nd chapter, and I, I, we're going to start at verse 39. And, and let, once we all stand together as we read God's Word together and reading His Word. I want, to, I want to name this, path, this sermon tonight, The Garden of Decision. We, we know that, that, that Christ went to a place, a place called Geth, Gethsemane, a garden. But we're going to call this The Garden of Decision. Jesus Christ had met with his, his, his apostles. They had, they'd shared in the Passover. That's when Jesus Christ, um, that's when Jesus Christ that night um, after the Passover, he, he took and he... he he took the bread of the Passover and broke it and said, this is my body which is broken for you, and took the cup from the Passover. And, and, and something totally different when he said, this, this cup is a new covenant in my blood for you. Jesus says, there's something going to begin brand new. And it was that night that we look at our Lord Jesus Christ, and he, the Bible says he undressed himself other than that which was around his girth, and he, he nailed down and he began to wash his apostles' feet. You know, they had a problem with that. Peter had a problem with it because they couldn't understand their Messiah that would bow down and wash their feet. I mean, there are so many things that we can stop and we can understand that, that, that and, and Jesus says, if you've seen me do, you go and do likewise. Not necessarily. I mean, if, if, if the issue is washing feet, but what he's saying, you do everything you can to be a servant to somebody else. And the Bible says they sang some hymns, and then they went out to a place that, was, that, that he was very common to go. And I think that's cool because... Matter of fact, we find out when he was betrayed that his betrayer took the soldiers to the garden because they, he knew that Jesus was always there praying. Think about that. You know, is prayer such a part of our life? And is coming to church such a part of our lives that, that on certain times of the day that people know that if they're looking for me, 
you go there. You know, if you're if you're looking for me on a Sunday morning, you can know that that that, or you're looking for Nancy. Well, she's going to be in church, or 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 on a Wednesday night, or or prayer time. That this is where she's going to be because that's what her life is, and that's how it was for Jesus Christ. And so as they went out there, the, the thing is, he left part of his disciples, then he had a, his inner disciples, Peter, James, and John. He kind of brought them up a little bit, but then he left. And listen to what the Bible says. In Luke, the 22nd chapter and following, this is as they were going into the garden, it says, and, and he came out and went as, he, as, as was wont, as he was accustomed to, to the Mount of Olives, and, and, to his, and his disciples also followed him. And when they was at the place, he said to them, pray that... Pray that you enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and he prayed. And, and saying, he says, Father, if thou willing, God, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours or thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in, in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he arose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for, for sorrow, and said unto them, Why sleep ye? Why do you sleep? He says, Rise up and pray, lest you enter into temptation. And while he spake, Behold, a multitude, and, and he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. And Jesus said to him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? And when they which were about him saw that what would follow, they, they said to him, Lord, shall we smite them with a sword? Boy, it's tough times. Let's pray. Father God, I just, I just pray that, that you'd take these words, and God, that you'd bless these words. I just pray right now, Lord, that you do something in a special, special way in each of our lives. And God, as you've given us this snapshot out of the life of Jesus on the night before he was crucified, that God, that, that not only can we learn of Jesus, but God, that we can apply these words to ourselves. And God, that you'd bless in a very special way. So God, do as you wish in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. One of my one of my favorite all time Bible studies, and one that gosh I've been in through many many times and many times with people, um, was written was written by a man by the name of Henry Blackaby. And Henry Blackaby makes a statement, and and one of his 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 his, his, his seven points within this Bible study. This is kind of paraphrased, but he, he, he's saying that if anyone is a true believer in Jesus Christ, there's going to be at least one time in a person's life, and probably many more, but at least one time in a person's life that God will confront him with a task to prove the reality and the depth of his faith. That if, if you are truly a child of God, there's going to come some point in your life that God is going to, he's going to put you in a point that's going to really reveal are you say who you th are you who you think you are? You see, because everyone can talk the talk, but 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 God is going to come to a point where He's going to reveal whether we really are a child of God or whether we're not. Do we really have faith? The faith that that that, that we're called to into salvation, 
or is it one that we'll walk away with? Henry Blackaby calls this a crisis of faith. That all of us will walk through sometimes that we're going to deal with a situation that's going to be a crisis within our life, and that's going to, that's going to reveal the reality of our faith. And as you study Scripture, you find that time and again. As a matter of fact, if you look in the, the 11th chapter of Hebrews, you'll see a whole list of people because that's the, that's the, the, the chapter of, of, of the heroes of the faith. And, and it lists person after person that came to a crisis of faith of whether they were going to believe God or whether they were not. Gosh, it all really began with, 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 with Cain and Abel. The Bible says that by faith that Abel offered God a more acceptable sacrifice. Now, what was that all about? I, you know, we don't know everything it was all about. You know, but his, but, but his brother offered one thing, but, but that was not by faith. And, and Abel recognizing that, that obviously that, that, that there was something about the blood, maybe it's something his mom and dad had taught him. And maybe he didn't understand why he had to give up the best of his animals because the Bible says he gave up the best that he had. And he gave it to God and, and it pleased God. And it was acceptable for God. You think about Noah. Can you imagine living in a very pagan and, 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 and a world so bad that God was so tired of it, he's wanting to destroy everything. But the Bible says he found one righteous man. His name was Noah. Now, to understand the faith of Noah, you have to understand this. You have to understand that he lived in a world that had never reigned. Because the Bible says that, that before, before uh, but, um, that when the earth was first formed, there was almost a canopy or a firmament around the earth that, that made the, the earth almost like a greenhouse effect. And the Bible says it was watered from the ground. And if you have any problem with that, just study some of your science to realize that, that, that there was great vegetation in all the earth. That's what, that's what sustained the dinosaurs, and that's what sustained the, the coal fields that we had today and the, the oil fields that we have today is the, the vast amounts of vegetation that we don't have today. And so he lived in a world that, that, that had never even rained, but then God told Noah, he said, Noah, I'm going to destroy this world, and you know how I'm going to destroy it? No, I'm going to destroy it by a flood. He didn't even know what a flood was. He said, what I want you to do is build a boat. No, I've never seen a boat. And this wasn't just a boat. It was a boat that, 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 that could house two of every kind of animals that's on the earth. Can you imagine the ridicule that Noah had to be under? But the Bible says, by faith, Noah obeyed God. But still, there had to come that point in time. He says, you know, am I, am I going to follow God or I'm not? Because this is crazy. And I guarantee you there was a lot of people that told him how crazy he was. I think one of the killers is one of the amazing things is Abraham. First of all, when God told Abraham, when he was a pretty old man anyhow, around 65 years old, that, that, that you and Sarah is going to have a baby. And God didn't even answer that prayer right away, but, 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 but the Bible says Abraham believed God. It was some 35 years later. By this time, Abraham was about 100 years old. Sarah was 90. And God, the Bible says, 
that Abraham, he was as good as dead. But God blessed him with a son. But then a few short years later, God told Abraham, I want you to take this son of the promise. And I want you to take that son, and I want you to give him back to me. I want you to sacrifice your son. Do you think Abraham had a little bit of a crisis of the faith? You know, we don't really read about that in Scripture, but folks, all you have to be is a, is a, is a, is a man or a woman to realize that, that, that if, if, if God that asked you to take that which you love so much and sacrifice. But Abraham did just that. And the story is that, that, you know, again, God stepped in and because once he saw his obedience. I, I think about another person. Her name was Esther. Queen Esther, that was an orphan girl that through the providence of God became queen. And through a conspiracy of a, of a man who hated the Jews and was going to destroy all the Jews, they pled with her to go in to see the king. But she knew that, that the law of the land, unless the king has asked you to come in, has requested you to come in, anyone that come to his court could be, be killed right on the spot, even his wife. Esther had a crisis of faith where she was being asked to risk her life to go see the king on behalf of the Jews. At first, she was wondering, is that what I need to do? But, folks, she walked through that crisis, and God delivered the Jews. Yes, it's great when we hear these stories about Abel and Noah and Abraham and Esther and name after name. But, folks, did you realize that Jesus Christ himself went through a crisis of faith? See, it's hard for us to understand because Jesus is God. But, you, but just as much as Jesus was God, Jesus was a man just like you and me. He was a person just like you and me. I think that's, I think that's probably one of the hardest things to grasp as a believer, that how can Jesus be all God but yet all man? And he is. He was. Because he, he took on the flesh. He became a man. And if Jesus had, had lived his entire life, he had lived his whole ministry for the purpose of coming and dying for the sins of mankind. He knew that. But folks, on the night before it, he had to make that decision. Have you ever heard someone that maybe had fallen in love? And all they could talk about their wife or their husband, about their wedding date, about the great life they're going to have, and then got right up to the edge of the wedding and then got cold feet and walked away. I have. You know, it's easy to talk about, but when, you, when you're about to step right into that commitment, I'm, I remember the day I wanted some minutes, as much as I wanted to get back. I'm, I remember, I, I can remember, and she, she told me the same. I remember walking out my mom and daddy's door and looking back and saying, hmm, do I really want to, you know, I, you know I, as, as much as I've been wanting to go, you know, um, you know there's that, that moment of time that you, you know, is this really what I want to do? And Jesus Christ had, had, had preached and he had healed and he had come to this point, but now, 
he had to make that decision. He could have walked away. He could have called a, a legion of angels to come and protect him. But this is where we see the humanity of Jesus Christ. That same humanity that you and I have that, that, that struggles in this, these places of decision. So let's just look at these places that when you, come, when you come to this place, this Gethsemane within your life or this garden of decision in your life, just like it was in the life of Jesus, look, let's talk about some of the things that you'll find within that garden. You know, the first thing that you'll find about that garden is, 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 is a place of loneliness. I think it's very interesting when Jesus Christ was about to deal with this situation that he left, he left his apostles and he went off by himself. He wanted to be with the Father, but I'm going to tell you that when God brings you to these points in your life, these crises within your life, that's a lonely place because no one else can make that decision but you. Now, you can go and get all the counsel you want. You can go and talk to people about whether I should do this or whether you should do that, but ultimately, it's going to be only you and God. And, and, and what God will do is he'll get you off all by yourself. Now, that might be a people around, but he'll get you off all by yourself. So all you can think about is him and yourself. It's a place of loneliness. No one else can even go there. No one else can be there because they don't know what God's doing in your heart. They don't know what God has called you to. They don't know what God, God is asking you for. They don't know how God is testing you. They've never walked in your shoes. And so therefore, you, God will bring you to the point that he says, I don't care what mama thinks. I don't care what your daddy thinks. I don't care what your husband thinks. I don't care what your children thinks. I don't care what the preacher thinks. This is a decision you have to make. Folks, no one else can make that decision but you. And that's a lonely place. And I can look in, in, in two or three times in my life where God got me all by myself. And I had nowhere else to go but Him. And there was Jesus. He was, he was out in that garden. He was all alone because Jesus was struggling to struggle. No one, no one has ever has or never will struggle that Jesus struggled. It was just Him and God. It was just Him and the Father. And you know, not only can no one else make that decision for you, it's lonely, but no one else understands. You have to be real careful when, when God is bringing someone through a, a time of crisis of their faith that we jump in there and say, well, I know how you feel because we don't know how they feel. We don't know what God is asking that you give up. We don't, we don't know what, what, what's going on in your life. Folks, it can be a lonely place. And it can't only can be, it will be a lonely place when God brings you to that crisis of your faith. Because God is, 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 is looking, He's looking. Is your faith real or is it not? Even the Father was putting His own Son, Jesus Christ, are you going to obey me? Or are you not? You know, one of the one of the great arguments in seminary. I, I, I Dale and me played with this for a while. Could Jesus really have disobeyed the Father? 
And that's just fun to argue because you, it's very easy to say, well, no, because he was God. But then you can must say, well, he was man too. I think that's one of those things you can, you can have fun arguing, but folks are not for being answered because we don't even understand how Jesus can be all God but yet all man. But you know, there was a temptation, and we'll look at that in just a moment. You know, not only is it a place of, of loneliness, it's a place of struggle. Listen to what the Bible says. It says, when he, when he was at that place, he said to them, pray that you enter not into temptation. He was drawn from them with the stones cast and kneeled down and prayed. Father, if, if, if thou would be willing, remove this cup from me, not my will, but, but mine. And there appeared an angel unto him to strengthen him. Jesus was in a weakened state. And, and then look at what it says in verse 44. And being in an agony. Folks, his soul was absolutely being crushed by this decision. Absolutely being crushed. But should we be surprised? Because listen to what Jesus said in, in, in Luke, the ninth chapter, verse 23 through 24, where Jesus Christ himself told his disciples that the Son of Man is going to have to suffer many things. See, many times that, that suffering may be at the hands of other people. Sometimes that hands may be at just the, the, the suffering of, 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 of surrendering our will to God's will. And that, that's what was going on here. He says, and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and raised the third day. And then, he, and then he said to them, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and to take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whosoever loses his life for my sake will save it. The very same words that Jesus Christ told his disciples when, when, when you follow Christ, he was going through himself at this particular time, and, and he was in a great agony. It's a place of struggle. He struggled. Jesus Christ was struggling in the garden, in that garden of decision. The Bible says he was in such emotional pain that when he sweated, there was great drops of blood within his sweat. I, I pulled this from um, John MacArthur's study. It says, this suggests a dangerous condition known as hematridosis, the effusion of blood in one's perspira perspiration. This, this is actual condition. It can be caused by extreme anguish or physical strain. And I can't even, some type of a vocabulary, I can't even say the medical term, dilate and burst, meaning blood, mingling blood with sweat. Jesus Christ was in such agony that his body responded by, by the capillaries blood bursting and pushing itself up through the sweat glands. I've never been in that type of agony. I've never struggled like that. Again, can you imagine the struggle that Abraham went through? The cry they missing, no, it, God, not, Father, not, not Isaac. He's the promised child. But when God brings you to that point of crisis, I can tell you, folks, it's going to be a lonely place because only you can make that sin, but you're going to struggle. 
The very fact that God is testing your faith is going to bring great struggle in your life because more than likely, God's going to be asking you for something that you're not wanting to give up. Jesus Christ says, you know, if the Lord, if it's your will, take this cup from me. Jesus understood what was before him. Jesus understood not only the physical pain, but the spiritual pain that taking on the sins of man and being rejected by the Father. He understood those things. And even the person of Jesus Christ, the man of Jesus Christ, you think about it. I thank God that we don't know the future. I thank God that I don't know what's tomorrow because, folks, we'd all be basket cases. That's, that, that's truly where ignorance is bliss is because, because we would all be a mess right now if we knew what we was going to deal with tomorrow, the next day, or the following day. Jesus Christ knew. And his humanity was just struggling. Jesus Christ was admitting, Father, I, as a man, I don't want to do this. You know, right now, right, right, within this, right within this room right now, there might be some people, that, some people right now that God's asking you to something, and there's a great struggle in your life going on right now. God may be calling you to give up something, or God may be calling you to do something, and, and there's, there's, there's a struggle within your soul. Because God's, God's really testing. Do you love me or do you not? Do you really believe me? Or do you not? See, that's what, when Jesus says that, he, that, that, went, that if anyone's going to follow me, that he's going to have to deny himself, you're going to have to deny your own desires, you're going to have to deny your own will, and then what Jesus says, and take up his cross, not Jesus' cross, but our own cross. And what that crosses mean, where, 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 where we're saying, God, I'm just giving up whatever you want, I'm yours. There's a lot of people who call themselves children of God, children of God, that never get to that point of taking up their cross. Because they're not willing to give up what Jesus asked them to. And folks, and I am not saying for a moment that that's going to be easy because it is not. That's why we have so much of, of, of what we hear ear tingling preaching or, or, or making people feel good because, because, because we're afraid that if we preach the true gospel that, that where, where, where God's going to say, pick up your cross and take up your cross and follow me, that people will say, hey, I don't want none of that. But folks, if it's not, a God, if it's not the gospel of the scripture, it's not the gospel at all. And, and I think Jesus is our example right there, that, that Jesus himself as a man was struggling in this garden of decision. And, and, um, and it's not easy. You, you think about, you know, I think about there's, there's people that, that there's times in my life that, that God got me to a place and I had to decide whether I'm going to keep following my, I, I'm, I'm either going to choose him or my buddies. I love my buddies. But he brought me to that place that God, if I have to give up every friend I have, that's what I'm going to do. I know a, 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 a young lady that's in my family that 
years ago was in a bad relationship. For a, after a while, the parents just had to back off and say, you know, we're just going to give it to the Lord. But on the way back from a Bible study, it just happened to be Brother Rodney's years and years and years ago. She came to that crisis of faith and said, God, I'm giving it to you. And she broke off that relationship. Was that hard? No, because, folks, when it's a matter of the heart, that's hard. There was a great struggle that went on, but God blessed her so richly. I remember a time that I was thinking about this message. Our brother Gene. Gene came to my office one day and shut the door, you know, like Gene, and said, get Eddie in here. And Gene sat in one of them chairs right from my desk. You know, Gene, 350 pounds, however much he was, just a big guy. Just started crying like a baby. I mean crying like a baby. Because he was a struggling within the soul because God was calling him to sell his business and just offer himself in, 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 in ministry. And Gene didn't even know what that was exactly going to be. But, 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 but he wept and he wept because there was a struggle going on within his soul and God had brought him to the crisis of faith. Gene, do you love me enough that, that you can trust me? That you just do what I say and I'm going to take care of you? And folks, God can get you to that point. And, and, um, and, and, and it's tough. It's that time of, of loneliness, a time of struggle, but right with that struggle, the very fact of the struggle, and I've already spoken of this, it's also a place of, of intense testing. You remember Jesus prayed and told the disciples twice, you know, you better, you better pray and, and, and beware of the, lest you be tempted. But Jesus Christ himself, there was great warfare going on in the life of Jesus Christ. I can guarantee you that there was a, there was a deceiver whispering in his ears, you don't have to do this. See, it's in the, in, in, it's in the great times of struggle that our faith is tested the most. That, you know, those are the points in time that we, we answer the questions, do I really believe that God is who he says he is, and do I really believe that God will say that what he'll do, that he will do what he says he will do? That's why Hebrews, the 11th chapter, that, that great chapter of faith, um, verse 6 says this, but without faith it's impossible to please him. Because it says, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. That you have to believe that God really is God. That he can do all things. And that if he calls you, if he, if he, if he calls you to do something, that he has the power to help you through that. And not only the power, that he will be a rewarder of you, that he will bless you with that. Do you believe that? And, you know, we talked about Abraham earlier about that crisis of faith. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews said in, in just a few verses about Abraham. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was, when he was tried or when he was tested, he offered up Isaac, and, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, to whom it was said, In Isaac 
Thy seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he had also received him. The figure six. Isn't that amazing? That Abraham believed God so much that even if he sacrificed his son that for, for God to fulfill his promises, he, 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 could, he could raise Isaac up from the dead. Because God is going to do what he says he's going to do. So it's, 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 it's a place of great testing, but you have to understand that God's never going to test us more than what we're able. Paul writes that to the church of Corinth when he says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that there's no temptation that's overtaken us. There's such as common demand, but, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can endure or able. But with all the temptation, it will make the way of escape so that you might be able to bear it. I think it's very interesting that he's not putting you through something that somebody else hadn't already been through. I think it's so very easy to, to hit that, hit that um, pity party where, you know, oh, go was me, Lord, look what I'm going through. But folks, there's other people that's walked through the same pattern. And, and more, than, more than that, Jesus himself has been this, down this very same road. He's never asked me to give my life on a, on a physical cross. But, Jesus, but God says, I'll never, I'll never put more on you that I will not give you the power that you can withstand. Now, I can tell you, it seems like sometimes he can get awfully close. I mean, he can pull you to that very point of breaking, but God knows that. Because he wants to prove whether our faith is real. And he's also wanting to, to strengthen the faith that we have. He says in James, he says, Count it all joy, my brother, when you fall into divers temptations or various trials, knowing this is the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. He says, if any of you lack anything, you know, let him ask of God, lack wisdom, let him ask of God, and he who gives liberally with, without reproach, and it will be given him. See, God is doing this not only to test that our faith is real, but also to take our faith and make it stronger. And there was Jesus Christ that night, and man, he was, he was in such agony that he was perspiring blood. And God, if it's your will, take this cup from me. That's a bitter cup. But without even hardly stopping that sentence, he says, but God, but it's not my will, but yours be done. This is, this is what's so cool. Although the, that garden of decision when God brings us is so lonely, is there's such a struggle, there's such temptation. It's also a place of deliverance because that is the place when we come to that point. That's when God sets us free. You know what he sets us free from? He sets us free from our own selves. You know, history tells us that it was the next day that Jesus Christ died on that cross. But I submit to you, it was when Jesus says, not my will, but thy be done, that Jesus died. 
It wasn't about Jesus anymore. When he, when he said, you know, you know, when he was in that struggle of protecting his life and protecting his situation, but when he said, but God, Father, not thy will, but mine be done, that's when he released everything and says, Father, it's not about me. Folks, the greatest prisoners, the, the greatest bondage master we have is our own selves. We, we, can, we can blame everything on somebody else or we can blame it on Satan, but the person, the one that we're, the, 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 we're, that we're in the greatest bondage with is our own self. And, and when we come to that point and we give ourselves to God, then we're set free. doesn't matter what people think about me anymore because I'm dead. I'm, I've been delivered from me. It doesn't matter what, if I have something or I don't because, listen, I've, I've, been, I've, been, I've been set free from those things. Because my faith is in the Lord. And, and, and folks, there's a freedom within that. There's a freedom to, that I don't have to fight me anymore. And what a joy that is. And that's where God wants every single one of us. And he wants us to take, he wants to take us all to that garden of decision. And there's going to be some time, if, if you've never walked through that time and, 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 and you're in the faith, then I can tell you, he's going to get you there. That you're going to have to make a decision that's going to be very much of a crisis within your life. Am I going to believe God or am I not? Am I going to obey God or am I not? And there's no greater example than Jesus Christ. So tonight as we close out, I just ask, what about where are you in your life? Is, is God even right now bringing you to a crisis decision? Where it's just, hey, it's just you, you know, you know, the day I got saved, it was in a, in a revival meeting. I was, it was in a meeting like this, and there's probably about 100 people. But when the Holy Spirit began to speak to me, it was just like him, him and me in that building. He kind of put me in a lonely place, you know, because after a while it didn't matter who was around or what because it was just like God was talking to me and me alone. I remember another meeting I was in a few years later. It was, it was a crisis of faith for me. I was probably in a meeting with 2,000 men. There was a little guy with a wiry voice speaking, and, and I didn't even want to be at that, that meeting. But it, I, I promise you, it didn't seem like there was another person in that entire room because God had me fingered out, and I was right in the middle out there. And God says, you need to make a decision about, about kind of where I was in my life at that time. And I can't but believe even in a group like this that God's putting his finger on someone and he says, I'm calling you to some type of decision tonight. And probably there's, there's a struggle going on in your heart and because God's just asking you that you take up that cross and you follow me. And I challenge you to follow him because he will set you free. Everything that you think that you're holding on to He'll take care of. And you don't have to worry about that anymore. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? He may be speaking to you about salvation tonight, that you've never truly 
delivered yourself to him and given your life to him in salvation because you're thinking about what I may lose. The only thing you're going to lose if you don't make that decision, you're going to lose your soul. But if you make that decision, yeah, you're going to, you're going to lose part, but he's going to give you life that you've never known before. I invite you to Jesus Christ. Or God may be calling you to a, a, a decision of ministry or just a decision in your life. No one else can make that decision but you, but I, I, I ask you to make that even now. So I'm going to pray, and I want to ask if we'd all stand at this time. And in just a moment, Terry's going to bring up some music, and I'm, the altar's going to be open. And Father, I just, I just pray that right now, Lord, that the God, as we look at the life of Jesus Christ and the great struggle that he had in the garden, that God, that's just a picture of all of us, that God, that you bring us to those points. And God, if there's someone right now that's struggling with the decision, I pray that God, that you would just let them just, just, even as Jesus says, God, not my will be done, but yours. And so God, I just pray that you deliver them, Lord, and bless them in Christ's name. Amen.